Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pot of Gold podcast. I am Fernando Ramirez. He's Mike Berendino, and he is Thomas Noe. The inaugural show, guys. Got, Thomas, let me start with you. How are you feeling today? How would I not be feeling today? It's 70 degrees outside. Nice, gentle rain falling here in South Bend, Indiana. Finally, springtime. No more snow, no more cold, except for maybe tomorrow. So other than that, everything's great. See, Thomas and Mike are – Mike, my, my bad. Let me, let me ask you how you're doing today. I just um, – I'm doing great. I would just like you to uh, pronounce my name properly. Berardino. Yeah, I heard an, uh, you said Berandino, and I and I hear it oh. about ten different ways. I'm very sensitive about this, and uh, it's been you know product tested by the family decades ago. Berardino, just let the let that second R roll off, just kind of let it disappear, and and don't it's not San Bernardino or anything like that. Okay, so I know you got Bernardino probably in the mind of being a Cali guy, but no, just just you, you'll get it, you'll practice. Yeah, no, I'll practice. I I just stick with Mike. Uh, you right. guys have obviously been in. Uh, you guys have obviously been here for for years. I mean, Thomas, you've been here for decades covering uh, Notre <laughs> Dame football. Uh, just a little bit of background on you, Tom. Uh, how long how long have you been here? Let the let the folks know. They I mean they know you already. Do I want to tell them how old uh, it's gonna it's gonna date me? But I have now been with the South Bend Tribune for thirty years. I started in 1992 covering Notre Dame hockey. After that, I've covered Notre Dame football for five years. Then I covered Notre Dame basketball now for 24 years. And since 2017, I'm back on the football beat doing a little of everything. And I've covered just about everything for the South Bend Tribune, everything from the Indianapolis 500 to a, Notre, to a NCAA women's basketball Final Four, Notre Dame football, Notre Dame men's basketball, obviously in the Big East and the ACC. And now back on the football beat for the last uh, four plus years. So you'd say you're the godfather of the newspaper. No, you could say that. I will not <laughs> make any Don Corleone references. <laughs> I will not be Don Corleone. You will not be Sonny. Mike B will not be Al Pacino. We, and nobody's going to sleep with the fishes this season. Mike, you've been you've been around for for years covering baseball. Uh, covering NFL, covering a lot of uh, different things. But how long have you been around covering Notre Dame? Well, I, I would just segue to say every time I think I'm out, they keep pulling me back in. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that's what's happened here. I was uh, 2018 was my first year of being around Notre Dame football. I'm not going to do what Tom did. It's very dangerous when you've been in the business as long <laughs> as we have. To, uh, to let people know where the professional career started, you know, how, how far, what decade that was. Uh, I'll just say that, uh, poof, here I was in 2018 uh, for the Stanford game. I covered a Twins uh, game on a Wednesday night in Minnesota and drove all day on a Friday. And by, uh, by Saturday night, I was, I was writing uh, for the Indy Star about uh, Notre Dame and Stanford. And um, I've been around since then. I only did the 18 and 19 seasons for the Indy Star. And then they're in the famous merger 
between uh, the, the Gannett people and the Gatehouse people. I lost out in that. I lost the game of musical chairs. And so I was still around writing freelance stuff for the Chicago Sun-Times and for Forbes, which is uh, very nice to all displaced journalists. And so we had that for uh, the 20 season and the 21 seasons. Um, and then this came up and I, uh, I would have walked on glass to uh, come back and do this job uh, for the South Bend Tribune. This was what I was hoping would come out of the merger back in 2019, but nobody asked me. And um, But here we are. What a pleasure to be with Tom, the godfather of the paper that uh, we all know him as, and, uh, you know, be able to, uh, to have teammates. You know, when you're a freelancer, people don't think about that. They think, um, well, you're around the team. You must be similar to everybody else. But no, you really don't. No one's no one's invested in you get doing your job properly. You're just uh, you're in competition with everyone. You have no teammates, so it's it's nice to have teammates again, um, and uh, and to share information with you guys, and then to do podcasts with teammates. What uh, what what a, what a what a treat! So that's that's as much information as you're getting on me and my history. Speaking of teammates, before we move on, let me just say that January was a very lonely, lonely month up here in South Bend with all the coaching changes going on, all the guys in the portal, all the guys leaving, declaring, and there was nobody other than our high school guy, bowl game, other than our high school guy, Justin Fromer, to try to track down everything that was happening with Notre Dame football. I was still on the Notre Dame men's basketball beat. So to have two other guys with me, I feel like I, I can just sit back and like Fernando has mentioned, I don't have to go to practice every day. I don't have to go see Ed Orgeron. You guys have that covered. And to know that it is, it is in such good hands, it makes my job a hell of a lot easier after what January was. January it has 31 days in it. It felt like it had 131 days. So you're basically Allen Iverson. Practice? We we talking about practice? I'll go to practice. <laughs> I'm not going to go see five periods of practice. Now, look, when we talked about our careers, I go back to the days where every single practice was open to the media. We would be standing outside. That was before they had an indoor facility. From August to November, we would be standing outside on the practice fields and watch every single snap and every single drill of those teams in the 1990s. Wow. That's... And then, Tom, if I'm not mistaken, you could go on the field at the end of the game, at the end of the practice, and just grab whatever coach or player that you needed? Is that how it was? This is how it worked. They used to, pra- they used to practice where, where the uh, soccer and lacrosse fields are right now. Obviously, the indoor facility wasn't built, and the main locker room headquarters nerve center of Notre Dame football was in the Joyce center. So you would be able to go from the walk from the practice field back to the Joyce center with guys like Ronaldo win Aaron Taylor, uh, 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 Bryant young, you'd be finished with those guys. Then you'd walk back to the practice field and walk all the way back again with Ron Paulus, who was the quarterback, Derek Mays, Lake Dawson, who's now GM in the NFL. And then you'd go back and Joe Moore would still be out on the practice field smoking his cigarettes. You'd walk back to the locker room with Joe Moore. So there were times after Notre Dame practices, you could literally get four or five true one-on-ones with players and coaches. Those were the solid days of covering Notre Dame football. 
That is awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, and that's what you're gonna get here with Pot and Gold. You're you're gonna get you're gonna get Pot of Gold. You're gonna get a lot of uh, a lot of history with Thomas and with Mike and everybody. I just called you Thomas, Tom. Uh, <laughs> but uh, definitely a lot of fun. I'm coming via San Diego slash Los Angeles. I uh, covered the Chargers for the last few years. Interned with them at first, and then started making my way doing other stuff. Uh, covered. I've covered uh, MLS. I've covered some basketball. I've covered some other stuff. I uh, covered the Chargers for four or five years. So definitely uh, awesome to be here. And like Mike said, it's it's awesome to have teammates because uh, out on the West Coast, there there there's no teammates. It's just you by yourself and and see what you can get and see what you can uh, see what what separates you from from others. So it's definitely interesting to uh, to now have teammates and to kind of be able to rely on on uh, other people but definitely a lot of fun it's been a lot of fun to get to know you guys when i came out for my um for my interview i remember what sold me was tom tom noe tom noe was he was the reason why i was like okay that, that's it i i have to i have to work with this guy i was like this guy this guy uh this guy got it in the bag and and he got me to he got me to give the okay and the and the thumbs up what did he say? What, 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 he's the closer, apparently. What did he say? He just took, he's like, I'm going to take you out to lunch. I was like, all right, takes me out to lunch. He's like, you better sign that damn deal. I'm like, all right, cool. We're, we're good to go. You? That's Where'd all. Uh, we went we, to bro, brother, brother, no, brothers. It's, it's, sure. it's the, it's the place to go. If you need to talk business or you need <laughs> to talk anything, because you could sit there literally all day and nobody's going to bother you, right. you know? And, 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 and as a, as a disclaimer, Mike was not yet hired, so I couldn't say, wait until you meet this guy, Mike B. He's going to be the guy you're going to be working with. You're going to be the two tag team main guys. Right, so was... at first, it was only Fernando was the only one that I knew of that we were closing in on hiring. So I couldn't talk up Mike B the way I wanted to at that point. Yeah, no, but it was it was definitely interesting. It was fun. It was funny because I was carrying around my suitcase the whole day. So it was uh, it was one of those things. It was a lot of fun, though. And uh, definitely getting to know both of you guys these, this last like month and a half has been uh, awesome and, and getting to work with you guys. But now we got to talk about the team, Notre Dame. There's a lot of excitement. It's a new era. Brian Kelly is now with his family down in LSU. Uh, it is uh, now a new Marcus Freeman brings in a new era to uh, Notre Dame football. So just um, let, let's go a little bit with um, let's start off with Mike. Mike, what's one thing that you've noticed about a, a coach, or if it's Marcus, it's Marcus, but what's something that you've noticed about this coaching staff, somebody on this coaching staff? Well, it for one thing, it's been great, uh, you know, as Tom alluded to, that uh, in the past you could actually talk to the assistants in the Brian Kelly era, and, and, and across the college football landscape, his assistants have become much more uh, mysterious to us, but uh, I think it was a smart move with an overhauled staff on the 16th of February, which was my third official day at the South Bend Tribune <laughs> to, as Tom recalls, to roll all those guys out at once and give us a chance to have Adam, right? Uh, they each had their little table and and uh, and they were all there. And so Marcus Freeman put together a staff with uh, a variety of uh, experience and components and, and uh, backgrounds and skills and, and strengths. Uh, they're all good recruiters and they're all good talkers. And that's what we've uh, that's what we got to benefit from there. We've had a chance, Tom and I, uh, over that period, last couple months to feature just about every one of those uh, assistants, uh, whether they were holdovers or new guys. And when you ask what jumps out at me in terms of overall be the energy and not like the previous staff was 
lacked energy necessarily, but this one um, is going to go overboard if they're going to do anything on the energy component. So when I when I look down at the open of five periods that we got to see yesterday, it struck me that Chancey Stuckey, for instance, the wide receivers coach, a guy with a history on the media side, so obviously he can communicate, worked in New York and did some acting. Um, in this case, he... Uh, he was crouched down during one of the drills uh, 20 yards away from where the receiver was uh, starting his route. And as he wasn't covering the guy, but he wanted to get low and get a good view of it. And, and he has hat on backwards and he was barking orders. He was clapping a lot. He was high energy. And, you know, what can you really glean from one of these practices? Not a whole lot. I'm not, I'm not, uh, other than taking roll and seeing who's got a wrap here or, you know, or limp there. Uh, but one thing overall that's it has jumped out is high energy, posit, positivity. Haven't seen a single guy. Now they're going to probably do it as soon as we leave. Haven't seen a single guy pulled out of line and barked at in football coach style. Now they probably wait till we leave and then they just light them up. But in general, what we have seen is trying to lift people, bring them along, uh, emphasize what they're doing right, and then and let that be the message to the group. And then with Chancey Stuckey, what he's doing with a wide receiver group that's very young, untested, and um, has a lot of upside, um, has has definitely stood out. What, what do you think, Tom? In in your few practices that you've been there, what have you kind of noticed? No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, <laughs> you've gotten to talk to these guys numerous times. You got all the hires. You, I'm, I'm going to run down your resume through January. You had the Fiesta Bowl. Then you had all these new hires coming in. So I got you. 30 days felt like six, 100. But yeah. And like Mike said, just the energy with the staff and the fact that we're able, we're able, to, we're able to get to know these guys from the start. Like when I came in covering Notre Dame football in 17, Mike Elston had been there. Brian Kelly obviously had been there for years. All the part, different part. Harry Heastan was still the line coach then. He leaves for the Bears. Now he comes back. But just to have all these guys starting from zero, even Harry Heastan to an, to an extent. Harry Heastan just seems like he's more energized. He's got bet, He's got more juice now working with Marcus Freeman in 2022 than when he did when he was at the end of his, his first tenure with Brian Kelly before he left for the Chicago Bears. So just getting to know them and know that the, that they're all hitting the ground running. This it's it, they're all starting from the same place and how to how how you get to know them, how you get to understand them, interact with them. Like guys that we've talked to, whether it's Chancey Stuckey or Al Washington or Dylan McCullough, under the previous coaching staff, we probably never would have talked to those guys. And if we did, it would have been six, seven, eight, nine months down the road. So to get to talk to them one on one, the way we were able to in February, you you just get a sense that you know them better. You know what they're thinking. You know what what, what their thoughts are about the game, about about their position, about where they are in the program, what they want to get out of it. It's just it it makes it makes for so much so many more great stories that we can tell and possibly tell just because we we feel like we know them better. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I was going to I was going to uh, go with Harry Heastan just because he's brought this, like you guys said, this energy. Every, every, it just seems like the coaching staff is fresh. 
They they like the direction that Marcus is headed in. They they seem to have really bought in, which obviously it's your coaching staff that needs to buy in first and then the players. So definitely uh, Harry Heastan, you, you can tell after practice and uh, center Jared Patterson said this. He's like, before we would say after practice, maybe for about five to 10 minutes, but they're staying 30 minutes after practice and they're still going over drills with Harry Heastan. And he's brought in Zach. Zach Martin's come in. Uh, other other uh, Quentin Nelson, other guys have come, NFL guys have come in. They've talked to these guys. And they've explained, they, obviously, Marcus has an open-door policy. But even before I, I got here, I was at the Combine, and I told uh, Chargers head coach Brandon Salia that I had gotten the job. And he's like, man, you're going to love Harry Heastan. I was like, really? He's like, that guy is a freaking legend. He's like, when he was with Chicago with me, he's like, that dude, he's like, he would come into my office, and he'd be like, I need to talk to you about your pass rushers. What's going on? Well, if you attack the, the opposing offensive line this way, it's going to help Khalil, and it's going to help – uh, Leonard Floyd or whoever was on the opposite side, it's going to help them attack better. And he's like, an offensive line coach is telling me this and giving me this stuff. So he just said, um, Harry Houston literally uh, thinks above and beyond. And, and it really, you can tell if this offensive, it's going to, it's like Marcus said, day one, when I got here, the offensive line and the defensive line are going to be our strong suits. And we're going to need them to, to be the anchors of this team. And uh, bringing back Harry Houston out of retirement was definitely a huge plus in it. And you can tell if Marcus can do that, bring him out of retirement to come in and help, then that just means that Harry is bought in and, and everybody's bought in. So that's definitely Harry. He said, and, and what he's done with the offensive line has really impressed me uh, so far. But um, now talking a little bit about uh, obviously the second part of who needs to buy in the players. Um, let's let, let's go. Let's not go quarterback, but what's uh, what's what players stood out to you guys? I know it's only it's only uh, spring and everything, but who's a player, Tom, that has kind of stood out to you or or you're looking to make an impact this season? Well, the one practice that the media was allowed in for the entirety of it from start to finish, I did not go to. I was on assignment covering the Marion High School Boys Basketball Championship game in the Indy. You don't so have I, to give us you don't have to give us excuses, Tom. You're you're you're, no, you're, a, you're the godfather. Had to be no. there. He, he made the right call. <laughs> had, had to be there. Wanted wanted to to see practice, but obviously the the one guy that everybody's going to say that you can't say. Like you can't say who stood out to you, Michael Mayer. Like everybody knows Michael Mayer's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He might be the the best tight end in the country. It doesn't take even a guy that covers Notre Dame men's basketball to figure out, hey, look at number 87. He's different. He's special. But in the little bits and pieces that we've seen, the five periods here or the five periods there, maybe the one guy, especially on defense, that I'm interested, really intrigued at seeing. I don't know how much we're going to see him next week at the Blue Gold game, but as we move forward to the start of the 2022 season, is linebacker Maris Leofile. Like, he just looks... He just looks like he's going to fit in Al Golden's defense. And had he not broken his ankle and wrecked his leg the way he did in that late practice last year, Maris Leofile was on track to have the type of season and have the type of input from a from a statistical standpoint that J.D. Bertrand had, where J.D. Bertrand led the team in tackles last year. That was Maris Leofile's spot. So when I'm watching, when I've seen those five practice periods, those that that, that little window that we get, one guy that's really jumped out to keep an eye on is Maris Leofile. Tom, by the way, that practice, I can give you a spoiler right now. He was 7-11, 24-7. He was <laughs> open no matter if they were doing one-on-one -on -one drills. Whatever they were doing, the man was open. So that, that's, all, that's all you need to know. 
it doesn't it doesn't matter like <laughs> what they're doing, what drill they're running, what this, what that. You look just look, you can just look out there and say, that number 87, he seems like he's a pretty good football he player, rem- not know anything about Notre Dame. Like he like, reminds me he good. He reminds me of a future Hall of Famer that wore 87. He's deciding right now if he should go back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or not to play with Tom Brady one more year. He reminds me a lot of him. But, Mike, who's, uh, who's somebody that stood out to, to you? Well, by the way, that guy you're referring to, that was the nickname that they stuck on Mayer when he first got here. Within weeks of getting on campus, he was Baby yep. Grunk. Oh. <laughs> and um, they hope that, and I think it's definitely the case, that this guy's a lot more uh, serious about his potential and his career and is not going to be a party animal in any way. I, I would be shocked if if the yeah. personality part of Gronk ever crept into the Michael Mayer uh, scouting report. Uh, but he is going to be big time in the pros as long as he stays healthy, of course. Um, and it's going to be fun to watch him. I did end my question, as you guys heard the other day, to Tommy Reese about what Mayer can actually work on. And I said, because he's going to be double teamed all year. Just, I mean, just obvious. And whether you call it bracket coverage or shading or whatever, we, maybe there's not the true. But basically, this is the guy, Tom, in basketball terms, you would play uh, triangle and two and let two people just be on him. That's yeah. probably what you would do. He's that good. So uh, yes. whether that's going to mean opportunity for other people, of course, um, that's going to mean that the guys out wide, that it's coming upon them to really – uh, make sure that they're open, that they can beat press coverage, and that they take advantage of the fact that they will not be double covered all year or bracketed uh, because if Mayer's on the field, he's the focal point. I would say the guy that jumped out at me, I'm going to save the the one that I think uh, Fernando's going to go for. I'm going to be nice here and let and let him also pump his story that's in the South Bend Tribune and NDInsider.com today. But uh, I'm going to go Jaden Mickey because I wrote about him going into the spring. He's the the uh, er, one of the twelve early enrollees, and a number of them have ju- have, have flashed. Uh, Junior T Tui Halamaka in the middle uh, has flashed, but Jaden Mickey at corner, which is a position of need, not enough depth at corner. Not only does he seem to be able to handle it, the speed of the game, but he has attitude. And corners as as uh, as we know, and especially in the NFL, as Fernando can tell you, a corner has got to have an unshakable belief, if not an oversized confidence, that you know Dion esque to, to play that position because you're going to look bad at times. You're you're going to the whole stadium's going to know that you failed, but you have to come right back the next snap and and believe that you are a bad man. And I think Jaden Mickey <laughs> believes that he's a bad man. And he's proven it because if he breaks something up just in a drill, he's given the incomplete sign. He's whooping. He's filling that indoor facility with energy himself. And for a freshman to do that, he's been here now three months. And talking with him, he's very uh, – we did get to talk with him. That's another thing I want to say. Smart move. Smart move. More access is great for us, but it's also good for the people that we're interviewing, I believe, whether that's the assistants who get a chance to practice being future coordinators and answering the questions they will hopefully one day as head coaches, or these these freshmen. We've only we've only missed now one of the twelve. Tyson Ford has not come to speak with us yet. Tom Tuck wrote about Jadarian Price recently, so mature, ready mm-hmm. to hit the ground running from day one and getting it out of the way, getting your public utterances and realizing that we're not the enemy. We're just we're just the conduit to the fan base. Uh, Mickey handled that really well as, uh, back in January, uh, early February as well, and and here he is. He's uh, he's ready for the spotlight. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets on the field quite a bit. Um, certainly in special teams, he's going to be part of it. And they've even given him a chance to return punts. They need a punt returner, 
and he's on the short list to do that to replace Kyron Williams. So that's my guy. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Mike alluded to it. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go with Brandon Joseph. I love defense. So to my to my thing is like when I came in, I was like, oh my god, I get it. Like I get to watch a little bit of Kyle Hamilton before he gets uh, he goes into the draft and and everything. And and I think when I saw Kyle at first, like in person, I'm like, oh, this guy's huge. Like he's a pretty big he's pretty big for a safety. He's kind of built more like a linebacker. Um, so he so now you go to Brandon Joseph, who Chris O'Leary said he's like. I'm not trying to pump him up. He's safety's coach, uh, safety's coach Chris O'Leary. He's like, I'm not trying to pump him up or give him any gas, but he has had a pick in almost every single uh, practice. And it's funny because I asked Brandon, I'm like, hey, coach, says that you have an interception in every practice? He's like, well, I have about six right now uh, out of eight practices, but the other two practices don't count because we didn't have pads on and we were kind of going a little bit soft. And I started laughing. I'm like, hey, there you go. He's counting in his head what kind of, uh, what kind of, what his stats are and everything. But, Brandon has surrounded himself, and this is what I wrote about also, is that he's making an impact on the field, but he wants to make an impact as a leader as well. He's like, I'm coming in as a new guy. I can't just start spouting because he's like, whatever happened at Northwestern, that doesn't count here. He's like, I'm new. I'm fresh. I can't just come out and start screaming at guys like, move over here, do this, do that. I can't do that, and I, and I feel like I need to start using my voice a little bit better and, and pick and choose my spots. But also the thing that impacted me about him is he surrounded himself with NFL guys. He likes surrounding himself with people from the next level. So he's like, I pick out Golden's mind. I like picking out uh, his best friend is uh, Greg Newsom from the Cleveland Browns uh, who was at, with him at uh, Northwestern. So that's another guy that he picks his brain a lot too. And then obviously Al Golden – uh, put him in contact with his favorite safety, Jesse Bates, and they talked a little bit of football and and kind of what he needs to do to get to the next level. So I think Brandon, you you literally have, if Brandon's season goes the way it should, it, the way he's hoping it will, he will catapult himself into the same uh, stratosphere as uh, Kyle Hamilton. He'll be a first round draft pick, uh, but definitely, um, but definitely, you're you're exchanging one. One first round draft pick for another, so it's definitely going to be exciting to see what uh, what uh, Brandon Joseph brings to this defense, and everybody's very excited about him. But one position that everybody keeps on looking at is the quarterback position. Uh, there's a lot of competition. There's um, obviously you have Tyler, you have Drew. It's it's kind of well, wh- which which one are they going to go with? And the coaches have have talked them both up at the same exact level. Like, oh, Tyler's doing this well, Drew's doing that well. But Mike, what are, what are some of your early um what are, what are some of your early um how would I say this uh, observations of kind of how this quarterback battle may be going? Well, uh, you know, we went into it assuming, and I think correctly, that there was more invested. In a, as a program in Tyler Buckner, and mm-hmm. certainly more snaps on the field last year, and some more uh, opportunity to show his potential. But um, so he was, no matter how they said it was an open competition, he was the leader going into the competition. But and we're not getting any looks at anything that will determine this. We will see the blue gold game, but even then, my understanding from what's been presented to us. It makes sense. Is they're going to go back after? I don't think they're going to even come in after the blue gold game as long as Buckner doesn't uh, have a Phil Jerkovic kind of day and, <laughs> and 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 say he's our starter. I don't think they're going to do that. Poor Phil, that was that was brutal. He was sacked officially like eleven times. Remember that time? And yeah. uh, and and he's on. And next thing he's on the phone with with Boston College. But um, 
I was, and it came, took a little time, it happened later, but it was clear that he wasn't, his processing speed was lacking that day. Um, but here's the thing. Um, this Drew Pine, and you wrote about him, Brandon, uh, and Tom's, Tom's heard this, when Drew Pine talks, he, he's got a quality that, you know, you can't talk your way into being starting quarterback, but um, he, has, he knows how to brand himself, and I, think it's, I do think it's authentic. He's got leadership qualities uh, to spare, and he has a, a, this whole thing. That this is the guy who goes to the grotto every other day, and he's not lighting candles for Buckner to be the starter. And he's is a guy who who you know grew up like you wrote, you know, uh, reciting Rudy passages in his in his living room. The narrative of Drew Pine is Ian Book esque. In fact, because of these other pieces, Grotto Rudy, it's beyond that. But he went to school on Ian Book. He followed him around as his protege, and and, and they still talk today too. And he yeah, still picks his brain for advice. Great guy to have on speed dial. And Ian Book was always a guy, three-star quarterback, who ends up being the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history and um, just five losses as a starter. Now, people will say those losses were – three of those were in games they really needed, but incredibly productive, better than the sum of his parts. And Drew Pine still may be that kind of guy if entrusted to do it. The tricky part is Tyler Buckner was your four-star slash five-star guy uh, everybody wanted him, and he does a lot of things that lead to winning as well. But does he have that other, that X factor that he steps in the huddle and everything's fine, and you're going to go 90 plus yards down the field and beat Virginia Tech when you need to? I don't know that he's there yet. I think I think that that's something that has to be determined. Um, and then there's this other piece that I think Tom, you 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 you've covered a lot of these. Uh, recruiting battles through the years, and and I haven't covered nearly as many Notre Dame wise. But you tell me if you're feeling any echoes of previous competitions where there was a piece out there. They didn't get the guy from Birmingham yesterday, Chris Vizina, but Dante Moore hasn't announced yet, and he's a five star. And if you are going all in on Tyler Buckner while Dante Moore hasn't committed yet, that's just bad recruiting. So right. there, it behooves them to draw this out. I don't think they'll announce any starter until after Dante Moore has committed somewhere. Just a gut feeling. It's how I would handle it. Is is this guy is important enough, a program changer. He talk I mean, he's he's incredibly confident, incredibly skilled. When he gives interviews as a as a high schooler, he sounds like he's been doing this his whole life. Um, they've talked to him openly about how the offense would be tailored to him if necessary. He already runs RPO in, at Detroit uh, King High School. But you're not gonna. You'd only mess yourself up if you commit fully to somebody right now, especially one with like Buckner who has three years of eligibility left. True, uh, that would be a mistake. In the, in the sense of college football, I think every season is a, a separate season unto itself. This year, not like Notre Dame's not going to announce who their starting quarterback is. Mike's not going to announce who the, their start the starting quarterback should be. So we'll announce. I'll announce it. It should be Tyler Buckner. I think it will be Tyler Buckner when we're in Columbus, Ohio, probably on Saturday night of Labor Day weekend. It will be Tyler Buckner. But that doesn't mean the starting quarterback in game one is going to be the same starting quarterback in game 10, 11, or 12. Like things happen, things change. Tyler Buckner, we, you mentioned all the intangibles. I think the, the one intangible right up there, too, is Tyler Buckner's got to prove he's got to stay, he can stay healthy through a season. Like he had those, he had some lingering injuries last year to where they got to the point where after they lost to Cincinnati, I wrote, 
it needs to be Drew Pine moving forward. Forget Jack Cohn. He wasn't able to win a game that he was really supposed to win and expected to win at home. Go with Drew Pine the rest of the year. And they didn't. So that, again, shows what 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 the media knows about Notre Dame, Notre Dame football. But Not the media, Tom. Not the media. You. And is that now I know why Jack Cohn was gla- nicest guy in the world. Jack Cohn would glare at one guy after every game. Exactly. It was Tom glaring. Exactly. But but like I think Drew Pine, this this also has a setup of a situation of maybe a, a little Brandon Wimbush Ian Book, mm-hmm. to where everybody looked at Brandon Wimbush and said he's the guy, he's the guy. He, who's this Ian Book guy? Like he's he's from Northern California. Nobody he, nobody knew about him coming out of high school. I think he, he was going to go to Washington State or something coming out when, when he was when he was looking at his colleges. It, nobody saw Ian Book coming, and he just kind of sat there. Bided his time, got better, waited his turn, didn't really make that much stink about not playing. A same, similar to, 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 Drew, to Drew Pine to where Tyler Buckner may be the guy to start, but I think the, the, the staff has a pretty good feel that if they, if they have to go to Drew Pine, they can win with Drew Pine. Yeah, Drew Pine seems to me as like the guy, like he's not flashy, he's not, he's just the guy that'll get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and uh, no, yeah, I was going to go Ryan Fitzpatrick, but like, you're going to get moments of flash, but no, I, I think, I think Drew Pine's more of like, he's more of a, like an accurate guy that just going to put the ball in the, on the money and everything. And Tyler's more of that flashy guy that can take off, that can do different things. He's more athletic. So it's going to be an interesting quarterback competition, but I understand where you guys are coming from where they're not going to announce anything until later. And it's funny because um, we even asked Jack Cohen at his pro day, like, hey, what do, what do you think about the quarterback competition? He's like, oh, I love those guys. Da, 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 da. Yeah, we didn't ask you if you love them. We're asking you, who do you think should take the job? And he's like, I think both of those guys are qualified. Yes, sir. We understand that. But who do you think deserve? And he just wouldn't give it uh, to us. And and it's funny because I, I did ask Drew, like, in the level of competition, like, how are you and uh, Tyler? And he's like, no, we're best friends, blah, 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 blah. We sit and watch film. I'm like, yeah, but when you get on the field, he's like, no, when I got on the field, I'm in killer mode. Like, I do want to be the best. I want to be the starting quarterback. I want to do this. I'm like, okay, there you go. A little bit of fire. I get a little bit of fire out of one of you guys. Uh, but it, it definitely is going to be interesting to see what they decide to roll with. Because I asked Marcus, and that was I think it was my first question to him when I was here. I'm like, what are you looking for in a starting quarterback? He's like, I'm looking for a leader who's accurate, who is athletic, and who will not turn the ball over. I'm like, okay, turn the ball over. That might be a little bit more Tyler. Takes care of the football. Takes, takes care, care of the, the football. football. has been the refrain. Yep. And Tyler Buckner, uh, Virginia Tech example in particular, Cincinnati was another one deep in his yep. own end. He, he has not taken care of the football. Uh, and Drew Pine hasn't had as many opportunities to do so. But that is going to be, isn't it? We can agree. It seems like it's it's not about yeah. who can stretch the field or yeah. make the chunk play or or put a, throw a scare into the opposing defense. It's about who can make sure, as Marcus says, that every possession ends with a kick. He yeah. wants it to end with a field goal attempt or an extra point attempt uh, or a punt. Worst case, it doesn't end with now you're you're giving the ball up deep in your own end. And Buckner has done that in his career, uh, you know, in short span. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, the way I kind of see the way that because Marcus said it offensive and defensive line, I feel like they want to win games by being able to run the football, take care of the quarterback, but then at the same time, get after the quarterback and kind of depend more on their defense to kind of win them game, like have the defense, the opposing or have your defense be the monster 
and then uh, your offense just needs to put up points, and you kind of want to rely more on your running game and and stuff like that, and not have to. I don't know. I, I don't want to say not rely on your quarterback, but it, it's kind of one of those things where uh, if you run the football well and you your defense is able to go after them, uh, you should be able to win the football game and not really have to put it on the arm of your quarterback. I guess in a sense, uh, Tom, am I, am I am I correct on that, or what what do you think? It's hard to say right now in mid-April that you want to rely on your quarterback because we don't know who he's going to be throwing to. That's true. And I think that's a major issue of this football team that, we, that we'll probably get into as well. You know, you have Michael Mayer, and, 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 and we've talked about Michael Mayer and what he's been able to do. He'll, they'll use the running backs more, Chris Tyree, out of the backfield the way they use Chris Tyree in the Fiesta Bowl. But the wide receivers, yeah, you're going to have to have a really good run game and a really good offensive line because that wide receiver position is just so unknown and uncertain as we sit here 12, 13 practices into spring ball. The receivers and the corners kind of mirror each other. And the offensive line and the defensive line kind of mirror each other. Well, uh, guys, one, one last thing I wanted to get into. Uh, the blue and gold game is coming up. What, what, what's one thing that excites you guys about the blue and gold game? Uh, Mike, I'll start off with you. What, what's one thing that excites you about, uh, uh, about this game, this matchup? When it's over, I'll be excited <laughs> when it's over and we're walking out of the stadium and we've written, uh, the last of the spring coverage, which has been voluminous and, uh, we appreciate everyone reading it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, uh, it's, that's, that's how I look at it. No, I mean, what's I'm, what I'm curious about, I'm excited. I'm curious to see just what some of the, uh, the points that we talked about on this uh, podcast. Um, I think as we come out of there, uh, if there's not clarity on the quarterback position, then you think of the old coaching saw, if you have two quarterbacks, you actually have none. Hmm. So there's something there. Uh, that we'll be looking for if um, you know if if there's a sense that uh, that um, you know that there's breakdowns on that offensive line that Harry he stand and I don't think there will be I think that it, that the technician side of them of course they're not going to have Jarrett Patterson in that second straight spring game that's that's kind of the quarterback of your line calling out all the signals so that's you know I maybe we shouldn't read too much into if there are breakdowns there. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing without some key pieces here that are, you know, Avery Davis is not, but he's going to be part of that receiver group that we're questioning now. If he has a full healthy return from ACL, pretty important slot guy uh, to look for and has proven his ability to get behind defenses. So um, uh, Jason Adam Alola, not part of this thing in the spring, but it's going to be pretty important moving the moving the line uh, coming uh, once the fall starts. Um and, and Cam Hart is not going to be in that spring game, but he's your shutdown corner. So um, I don't know how much we can really glean from the spring game, and that's why I'll just be excited when it's over. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny when you get to Notre Dame Stadium for a spring game and you see you you see the crowd and they run out on the field, the players run out on the field, and all this energy and excitement and everything for like the first two series. And then it all just kind of evaporates. Like every, everybody's sitting there in the stands is like, wait a minute, is that it? Like it, it the, the spring game becomes just another practice that, that we've seen at the Irish Athletic Center. Although now we're sitting on the ninth floor of the press box and, and, and maybe eating some free hot dogs and that's it. So, I mean, it's something like, like, like Mike said, once it's over, then, then you're good. And I'm, I'm most excited to see 
as long as we I have a, uh, a storyline for a column, it always comes back to the storyline. It always comes back to the stories that we can tell. If there's something that I can write about that's good, I'm happy. But if we're scrambling. I call quarterbacks. And, boom. I called it already. Well, yeah, but the no, quarterback. We won't see anything <laughs> from time to time. Quarterbacks. Or we, fine. That's going to be worth writing about. So six, six. If, there, if there can be one really good storyline that I can h- h- jump on at 3, 3.15 in the afternoon on Saturday, I'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, no, that, it's definitely it, – I mean, I'm a, I, I'm curious just because it's my first time getting to go into right. the stadium, getting yeah. to watch uh, the experience of a blue and gold game. I mean, obviously it's historic and everything, so I'm definitely excited to – to see kind of how that goes, but I feel like what Tom is telling me right now is going to happen. Like the first two series, I'm going to be like, Oh my God. And then I'm going to be like, okay, like let's cool. Like, let's go. Like, uh, let's, let's, can we, can we do the, the fast for, you know, the, when you're, when you're, um, when the kid's getting, or the team's getting blown out and you kind of just run the clock out, uh, and everything. So, but it's definitely, uh, definitely going to be interesting to see kind of the secondary, like Mike was alluding to a little bit, seeing those guys that, um, those, second and third tier guys see how they kind of perform and and see how, how much they've learned but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a uh, an interesting atmosphere hopefully it's dry it's a dry day hopefully it's a sunny day hopefully we don't no, get any. no 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 this this and michael mike knows this fernando's the rookie so he doesn't know the last thing you ever want when you're covering a notre dame home football game fernando is a sunny day because the media sits on the east side of the stadium, and if you're oh. trying to watch a football game, you're spending four quarters like this trying to keep the sun out of your eyes. So if you have sunglasses, wear sun, bring your sunglasses, because if it's a sunny day, you're sitting up there in the press box, you're going to need him. Otherwise, you're not going to have any idea what's going on in the field down below. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah there, yeah. there you go. My first rookie mistake. I didn't know that. Well, I already had one. I, I actually, I don't know if you know this, Tom. I showed up at a practice at 7.55 thinking it was at 7.55 and it wasn't until 10.30. So there you go. That was my, uh, that was my rookie mistake. But That's all right. We all make them. Yeah, no, I definitely. And, and, and again, this is, this is the first of many podcasts. And I'm excited. Mike, Tom, thank you guys so much. You're going to be hearing a lot from us uh this uh this upcoming season we're gonna have some fun guests we're gonna have some fun uh and obviously keep you guys uh informed with uh with what uh pot of gold is gonna bring you guys but definitely excited uh for this opportunity and and uh talk uh notre dame football with you guys thank you guys so much let's go